first of all, we do see each other quite a few times mm -hmm. during the year. Uh, it's always good to see teammates because you know you shared something that was very special and at a very special time. So it's always good to see my teammates and talk with them. Same thing for Johnny? Well, I'm just glad to see the players and to see Guy, and he keeps me up with the stats uh, from a long time ago because I got short-term memory loss. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would just like love to see these guys. And most of the time it's some sort of charitable uh, endeavors that we attend. Sometimes it has to do with golf, and that's always fun. Uh, and just a reminder, I, I wasn't on the 71 team, okay? I was a senior in 70. I, you know, I, I was a career record holder for passing and all that, like Mike said, for about seven and a half months. And then, <laughs> and then, and then that was over because of this gentleman sitting on my right. But I did treasure that seven and a half months because I remember the guys beforehand. But, uh, we, you know, we were all in the right place at the right time. And we had a wonderful coaching staff and teammates, some of who are gone. Uh, but a lot of them are still around, and it never gets old seeing them and uh, talking about their families and their children and in the old days. Well, I think one of the really big things that, that crossed my mind right off the top is that I've, through my lifetime, uh, I've, I've met many players and many teams, and we crossed back and forth going uh, from one award uh, to another. Uh, but I think the most significant thing is that our players being able to have, be on a winning program um, to share those wins together, I think that keeps us closer than most people can understand because we, we fought hard, we dug down all the time, we, we understand what teamwork really means, and you got, you got to meet people and know people and what they're really made of. You know, like I said, we had no problem saying, just keep giving it to Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> If you get any problems, we got, I got you covered, but give it to Kenny. <laughs> that Jeff, was the word, for, for real. Jeff, one of the things that Coach Devaney used to always talk about is making sure players came from each community, each county in the state, to kind of build up the popularity of the team as it was going along in the 60s. Being in McCook, what, what was it like there? Was it always a dream for you to, to go to Nebraska? Well, first of all, uh, is it on? Yeah, you're good. Uh, okay, first of all, you know, being from Nebraska, you're naturally a fan. So I was a fan at first, and then you always, you know, you always was kind of the dream that you would, could play for Nebraska. But Coach Devaney, he had just started to turn things around and made, made a football program again out of, out of Nebraska. So that was a dream of mine, and when it came down to making that decision of what to do, I wanted to stay home. And I wanted to play, you know, my parents could see me play, um, a lot of my hometown people in McCook were supportive, so it was just it was just fun, and things like, as Guy just said, you know, the right place at the right time. I, I have a quote on here from Johnny the Jet Rogers, who says, "The guy to his left, Guy Ingles, greatest high school player he ever played against." First of all, Guy, how does that make you feel? And are you still excited about beating his tech team? Well, I believe me, it, it was a pretty important game for me. Uh, one of the reasons we, we had a good night that night was, uh, for some reason, Johnny was playing defense. <laughs> That's the truth now. That's the truth. And, uh, and you know, we, we, I was very lucky in, in the fact that before my senior year, in the summer before my senior year, I don't even think I've told Johnny this, but we had four players 
move in. All four of them started on the football team. A couple on defense, a couple on offense. They all transferred into Westside. They all transferred into Westside, and they all started. One was from Arkansas, one was from Ohio, one was from Iowa. And the kid from Iowa actually walked on because he was my age. He walked on at Iowa State and earned a scholarship. Westside had a portal. Yeah. <laughs> we were a portal. It's an NIL. Johnny, that still doesn't explain why they had you on defense instead of handing you the ball. I played both ways. <laughs> no, Johnny told me that the player ahead of him on offense was better than he was. And I know that gentleman. I've met him, too. And uh, I don't believe that, though. Josh <laughs> Butler. Yeah, right. Exactly. But, you know, we, yes, it, it helped because I think there were two Nebraska coaches at the game. And, and I think that was in early November and by mid-December I had a scholarship offer. And at the time I was about 145 pounds and, and not nearly as fast as this guy next to me. So it was, it was, you know, I'd be a walk-on today under the scholarship limits that they have today. So uh, it all worked out. With all the injuries at wide receiver, you'd have been starting, don't worry. <laughs> well, yeah, that's too bad. Because they, they, you know, we had pretty good receivers last year, and all of a sudden we're kind of sucking. Shorthanded now. Yeah, but, what, what you know, about, they'll, they're, they're doing as good as they can. And they're working harder than they did last year. Yeah, no doubt about that, especially on defense with all exactly. the tackling. Johnny, talk about the, uh, the recruitment of, of Johnny Rogers to the University of Nebraska. Well, I re really wasn't that big a fan. Uh, of Nebraska at that time. I was actually a USC fan. I figured that everybody went to USC got to go to the pros. Uh, and Nebraska at that particular time really wasn't doing that well. They hadn't won a championship since Jesus was a kid. <laughs> so, so I wasn't really thinking about going down there that much. Uh, my first sport was baseball. I was trying to get money playing baseball and I, I played baseball in high school and I got drafted to the Dodgers to play baseball. And I think the clinching thing that, they, that Devaney came up with is that if I came to Nebraska, they would let me play baseball, and then they would let me play football as well. And I could put those two together, and my goal at that particular time in life was to get $100,000. And I thought if I could play baseball and football, that I'd have an opportunity to, to play that to get uh, that $100,000. Well, after I got to Nebraska, I played my freshman year and then the sophomore year. After that, Bob told me that he wanted me to give up baseball and then just play football so they could find more ways to get the ball to me. And I said, God damn, Coach, you told me. <laughs> Pardon his French. came here. You told me that if I gave up, if, if, you know, I, I'd be able to play baseball and football. You know what I'm trying to do. And so he said, yes, Johnny, but if you give up uh, baseball uh, willingly, you'd be the first guy that we've ever endorsed for the Heisman Trophy. So I took the deal. Took the deal, no doubt. <laughs> Jeff, you have a unique situation because you were a quarterback, and you were getting pursued by other teams. Kansas State, too, was a, recruited you really heavy, right? Um, was it a deal where it was whoever let you play quarterback where you chose? How did that work in terms of when you chose Nebraska? Well, I just want everybody to know that Johnny was the first person to ever be involved with NIL. <laughs> NIL, there's no doubt, yeah. He had his NIL deal. No, you told me you weren't going to tell that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> we could tell some stories. I'm well, I glad bet you can. You know, we did make a pact that we would never tell stories. So we don't. Well, statue of limitations is passed. <laughs> no, nobody going to come for you or the NCAA. Oh, don't I, care about this I, now. I, they don't, don't, you tell about the money I gave you? 
<laughs> yeah, he was kind of the godfather of the team at the time. So, well, anyhow, uh, you know, I just, you know, just the whole recruiting thing was kind of new to me, and so I went to a couple of schools. Turned down. I didn't go to Texas, and I didn't go to USC, and I just kind of wanted to stay in the Midwest. And at that time, I had a, you know, a high school sweetheart, and didn't want to leave that, you know, too far away. So, anyhow, Nebraska was an easy choice. I, like a lot of kids, I would wake up every Sunday morning and grab the World Herald, and look at all the pictures that you would see in it. And I was always one of those kids who I'd be out pheasant hunting and have to go road hunting after a while so you could listen to Nebraska play football. So that's just how I grew up. So it was kind of a natural instinct just to come to Nebraska. How many quarterbacks were on the team when you got there your <laughs> freshman year? I was just telling. Eight, nine? Yeah. They actually scholarship seven quarterbacks. Seven, seven yeah. That, yeah. That's back when you could do 45 scholarships. Right. But so you could tell they feel like they had a weakness at quarterback at that time. Guy, when you got there, um, what was the feeling on campus? Because you mentioned you're a little bit older, it, a year was, older. You know, it was, I was excited. You know, I, I, my dad had, had season tickets through a work obligation. So since 62, when I moved here and I was in eighth grade, we, we, I'd gotten to a number of games. And... Uh, you know, and I, I, at the time, I was a running back, but I knew my future might be at wide receiver because of my size. So, and I was a running back for about 15 minutes in Lincoln. And by the first freshman <laughs> practice, and then they sa said, you go over there, get out of here, get out of here. But, um, so I had occasion to see him. And, you know, Bob had won two or three or four big eight titles before I got there in 67. Mm -hmm. But 67 and 68 were the two six and four years. Right. And, and really, the, there were some wonderful players on those teams. Uh, but we probably lacked a little bit at quarterback. And then in 69, then all of a sudden you got Taggy and Van Bronson. Mm -hmm. And you got Jeff. And Johnny's a freshman. And it's kind of starting to fall together. And then in 69, they gave, the, uh, they gave uh, Tom the offense. Switched to the I formation, which was tailor-made for Jeff. And Johnny was the wing back then in 70. And the flanker when we went to the spread. And then the rest is 33 games in a row and two national titles back-to-back. -back. And, we, you know, in 70, uh, we needed some help on the bowl day. And uh, uh, Stanford beat Ohio State, who was ranked above us. Mm -hmm. And Notre Dame beat Texas, who was ranked above us. And then so at pregame, literally pregame against LSU, we knew we were probably playing for all the marbles because we were the last undefeated team, though we did have the tie against Southern Cal in the Coliseum, which was really a tragedy because we, I actually think we significantly outplayed Southern Cal that night. I grew up in L.A. I lived there until yeah, I was right. 12. So USC was like, for me to score a touchdown in the Coliseum was a big deal. And Dan Schneist threw me a pass, and Johnny had a great day and Joe Duna had a 60-yard touchdown run and Jeff gave him a chance and he, he you know they were both playing back to back who time, missed the extra so. point the extra point was was missed by Paul Rogers Paul. it was actually a field goal any relation it, Johnny no spell <laughs> now let me let me lighter. tell you something because a lot of people don't remember this but 
I'm not on the extra point team or the field goal team. I'm on the sidelines. But I was, I was paying attention because any score was a big score. And Paul Rogers was all-conference. He was all-conference kicker. And the snap came back on the ground. All the way back on oh, the ground. Wow. Yeah. So Taggy got it on the, on the, you could use a tee then. He got it on the tee, but I think it messed up Paul's timing just enough, and Paul missed it by about this far on the right side. Right. Otherwise, we beat him. What, what was the feeling? Because we, we now know, because of what happened just a couple of weeks ago uh, against Michigan, that the last time Nebraska was shut out of home was 1968. Into the season, pretty much against Kansas State. What was the feeling like at the end of the year? Because I'm, I'm imagining that Coach Devaney must have been under some pressure at that point, the way that season ended. Well, I can tell you, being in Omaha, and I don't know if Johnny would realize this because he was still in high school, but in, after the two, six, and four seasons, there were some people that wanted to fire Bob. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he'd won three or four Big 8 titles in 65. If they'd have beaten Arkansas, they'd have been national t champions. They lost 10 to 7 in the Cotton Bowl, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I think by the time the end of 69 rolled around, we were a pretty good football team, especially on offense because we'd had a year in the I formation. We managed to beat Oklahoma in Norman 44 to 14 after losing the year before 47 to nothing. So we went from the worst defeat of Devaney's coaching career to a victory that I count number one or two in my experiences right. in the same place. We had to go back down to Norman the next year. And Jeff threw me a touchdown pass, and we, we beat him 44 to 14. And when they took the first team out, I remember... I was ranting and raving a little bit <laughs> because we wanted, to, we wanted to stay in the game. Right. And, uh, and some offensive line coach said, Guy, you're not going back in. We're not going back in. I said, we should be in until this is over. Because mm -hmm. they had Steve Owens carry the ball with 17 seconds left in the game. He's going to win the Heisman, with, and he carried the ball for the 38th time when it's 47 to zip. Wow. The year before. Yeah. So, yeah, we didn't. Anyway, so the bottom line is uh, that victory was really huge. And then we pasted Georgia 45-6 to six in the Sun Bowl, who probably didn't need to go to a bowl game. Mm -hmm. They were 6-5 and five right. that year. And then Katie barred the door. We, we got Johnny the next year and, and, mm -hmm. and a bunch of linemen that Tom Osborne recruited. And all of a sudden, yeah. you got these two guys right here were instrumental in the two greatest games in Nebraska football history to that time, and that was Oklahoma down in Norman, and both of them starred that day. I don't know which one gave, deserves more credit. Right. But Jeff, he had 168 yards rushing. Richie Glover. Johnny Richie, <laughs> Richie got 20 unassisted tackles. Yeah. From nose guard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you about that, Jeff, because you obviously are going against some really good Big A teams, but in practice, you're going against one of the best players to ever play the position at a middle guard position with Richie Glover. Can you talk about how that made you better? Well, really didn't play against Richie. They wouldn't let us number one go against. Oh, okay. Him, All right. Know? And it was kind of a, you know, it was a situation where the coaches were trying to keep us healthy, so you didn't have a lot of contact. But you know, it's a little closer. It's, it's almost like years later, you get a chance to see different replays, and you see Richie was just unbelievable. Dominant. You, you don't pay much attention when the game's going on, but you get a chance just to see him in action. It's like wow. That guy made the big difference that day. Yeah. 
we don't talk enough about how great he was, Johnny, right? I mean, oh. when, he start, when he start ranking the greatest defensive lineman of all time, he, he's got to be there. Yeah, Alton and Lombardi and third in the Heisman. Right. You don't have linemen third in the Heisman, uh, but he was just that good. And like I said, in the biggest game of all time that we've had, pretty much the game of the century, uh, to get 20 unassisted tackles, that just speaks volumes. I mean, from that nose guard. didn't happen from nose guard. He's not out on the, he's not playing linebacker. He's got his hand on the ground. Yeah, I, I cut video, we, our last Jet Award gala, Richie was there. And so I went through and I cut a whole bunch of video of that game. And he made plays from the hash mark to the hash mark. He was running down the line. And you know how, how wide they are in college, right? I mean, he was making them from both sides, running down the line of scrimmage, making tackles. It was incredible. Playing against an All-American center. Exactly. Yeah. He's dominated him. Yeah. Without a doubt. It, what was his name? Um, Brahaney. Tom Brahaney. Tom Brahaney, yeah. Tom Brahaney wakes up in the middle of the night. He sees Rich Glover. <laughs> Still to today. I, I guarantee you. Today. Yeah. We talked about not then, now, and then. <laughs> I, I was talking about how your defense made you guys better, you know, because they were so good. But for you, Johnny, kind of go over the guys you went against in high school and, and your neighborhood and growing up, going to Coons Park, right? I mean, how much better did that make you with all the talent that was there in North Omaha? Well, I, I really think that it was the guys that came before me, like Dickie Davis, Mike Green, uh, all these guys. I played against uh, mostly older guys my whole life, you know, and Coon, playing in Coons Park is where all the people from all over Omaha came to play on Saturdays and Sundays. And I was one of the very little guys that got to play every now and then. But I think it really made a difference in my career to have that type of competition early in life. Because when I got, as I got older, it was nothing new. It was just expected. It was expected. We had some of the great, Gale Sayers played down there. Yeah. Uh, like I said, uh, um, Dickie, Mike, uh, everybody, everybody, anybody who was everybody that was playing, that was going to play anywhere in the country, started off at Coons Park. Yeah, I think any of you, if you haven't read uh, 24th and Glory, um, Dirk Chatland's book, the fact that you had the best, in my opinion, right-handed pitcher of all time in Bob Gibson, you had one of the greatest running backs, certainly in terms of scoring in every way in Gale Sayers, plus you had a Marlon Briscoe and all those guys, I, it's, it still blows my mind to think all those guys were there over the course of about a 12-year period. Right. I think it's very inspirational when, when you're young and you see so many people doing so many things, it's not out of the norm for you to follow in that direction uh, because that's the direction you're being led that it is possible. When you're in a neighborhood or, or a city where you don't have a lot of uh, people that are getting that type of exposure, then you don't see it's possible. But when you, they're there and they're just your neighbors, uh, anything is possible. And, and I think that was really the difference for me coming up uh, with that kind of competition uh, where I was never really the best. I was just struggling because right. I was, yeah, I was always just struggling, trying to get, trying, trying to get in yeah. uh, to play when these and guys modest were playing too. around me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Jeff, talk about the adjustment of going from McCook to Lincoln and playing there on the team. How long did it take you to, to adjust to the game? Well, I guess at that time, because of the way the program was set up, you had a freshman team. So you didn't have to worry about going against you know, varsity players or being a piece of meat out there for somebody to beat on. So we had a freshman team. We played a freshman schedule. And by the end of that season, we knew we were pretty special. I mean, because we won all four games. Uh, and then as, as Guy was saying, they started bringing in some junior college transfers for linemen. So really that my sophomore year, 
when we ended up that season, even though we had lost two games, we felt like we could be playing for the national championship by the time that season was over with. So anyhow, it was, it was, just, it was just a transition of being a freshman. You get to make that transition. Then you go to spring football. Then you get your butt beat a little bit then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same he's, thing for you, John. right. Well, I just remember uh, the jump was not from west side to freshman ball. It was from freshman ball to spring ball. And I remember Jim Hawkins, who was a senior and a co-captain at the time, was, was a cornerback. And he was good. He was all conference. And you know, I'm looking in at the ball, you know, and I, I lose track of where he is. So he, he sneaks up on me. This is early in spring ball. He sneaks up on me, and I come off the ball, and he hit me in the mouth with his forearm. And I, I think the first thing that hit the ground was the back of my helmet. And uh, I never lost track of those defensive backs after that. <laughs> I, I knew where they were. Where if they were bump and run, fine. If they're out there somewhere playing standard, but I, that's a play I'll never forget, and it's a good lesson. One of the unique things about Nebraska, Johnny, um, and there's been, they've done some great pieces on this. You know, the Southwest Conference took forever to integrate. The ACC took a long time to integrate. The Big Ten did it quicker, you know, because they were willing to do it. But Bob Devaney was ahead of his time in terms of bringing African-Americans into the university. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, well, I really didn't know the history uh, at all. And uh, I didn't know whether we had black players or, or white players or whatever. I, I was just interested. We had good players. Yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. I seen that it coming through there when I did come as a freshman and to see the guys ahead of us that were, they, they, they won their first conference championship in years in 1969. They hadn't won in, in a while. So that, that was a fairly decent transition coming from a freshman to go up to have an opportunity to win our conference too. And then we actually won the national championship. Uh, but I think the biggest thing was is that we had backup. John Dutton and Monty Johnson that played for us, they played second team. They went on in NFL and with Hall of Famers. Yeah, yeah darn near. But they played second team at, at Nebraska. But one of the most encouraging things was is that the special teams, because at that, that time, if you didn't get to play first team, most a lot of guys are second team, you get to play on the special team. But and that was their opportunity to have a big play. So when they got in there, they did take that as an opportunity to have a big play, and we made a lot of big plays that, that for guys that weren't always, always playing. Now, Richie them and some of the guys did play uh, on, on the special teams as well, but it was just that we made we really learned that football is offense, defense, and special teams. And you prove that every time you show the video of your punt return, right? There's right. eight, nine blocks on that. Uh, that one in Oklahoma, you can count them again. Everybody, the whole, yeah. I stopped calling. We used to go punt return left or punt return right. We could call punt return left, I'd go right. <laughs> 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 we call punt return right, I'd go left. So we just started playing. <laughs> Everybody get a block. So everybody got a block, and you could count them on a lot of different plays, and you would see them uh, during our, um, our meetings on Monday, whoever didn't get a block. So you didn't really want to, to be one of those guys. <laughs> you didn't want to be pointed out that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't want to get pointed out. So yeah. everybody really did get a block, and it puts it all into it. And that's what really made the difference is because the edge, you know, offenses and defenses were always really tight. But it's our special teams that really made a difference. Yeah. Jeff, what do you say is the, the thing that made Coach Devaney the great coach he was? Was there something, was it the individual understanding of the game? Was it his motivation? What made him the great coach that he was? Well, first of all, I think he had an aura about him. 
you know, I think he he was kind of in that position where he, you know, he he was respected, but he had some great coaches. Yeah. Right. I mean, I and he let him coach. Right. And I th I think that's what kind of separated him from, you know, being a person who had to control everything, but he was more of a manager and put people together, put them in the right places and let them, you know, let them do their job. And uh, you know, I've always respected him uh, for that. And I know I'm sure there's probably a few of us here today, I won't name any names, that probably had Bob not been the kind of guy he was and it would have been a different era, we probably would have never played again. Right. So yeah. just because of things, you know, the way things were back then. And Bob protected the players. He really did. Yeah. Yeah, you guys. Oh, oh, sideline, I was going to say, and I've, I've told this to a lot of people. Denny Claridge was the first great quarterback of Bob's coaching career in Lincoln. That's 63. And he was a dentist in Lincoln. He's since passed away, but he was a dentist in Lincoln. And so when, the years I was in Lincoln, I saw him. I, sat, I used to sit next to him in the basketball games. And I said, Denny, one time, one night, I asked him, I said, uh, I said, what changed, you know, because you'd heard stories about the 50s and losing and losing, and once in a while they'd beat Oklahoma, and, and, but they had four-hour practices and they scrimmaged on Friday and all this crap. And the guy, he said, he came in and he made football fun. That's all he did. Two-hour practices, they cared about you. I felt like they cared about us yeah. as individuals, you know. And, uh, it's not the quantity of the practice, it's the quality of the practice. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, I was never on the football field longer than two hours and 15 minutes unless I chose to be, catch more balls or something like that. But th that spring and fall and first team against third team or scout team or whatever. Yeah. And uh, you could count on that. It was consistent, you know. And then and he was smart enough to hire Tom. That's what really got it going. Yeah. You talk about having him as a, as a wide receiver coach. You you and Johnny obviously had him as wide receiver coach. Did you, did you ahead, think Johnny. at the time that this guy could be our, the head coach at some point? What was he like as a wide receiver's coach? Well, most of Bob's coaches could have been head coaches. That's the difference. In the, they, all of them were good enough to be head coaches and take over at their... Quite a few of them did yeah. end up being head yeah, coaches. Yeah, that, that, that was really the difference. Uh, the, the, the coaches, and he managed the coaches. He was the coach's coach. You know, but... but the big thing is all the coaches got to do what they wanted to do. Tom ran the offense. He was offense, basically became, became an offensive coordinator. He was my position coach initially. Right. And then he became an offensive coordinator. And you just had the confidence that when, when Tom called a play, it was going to work. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. You know, that was their responsibility to be up there to looking to see what the gaps were, what the holes were, what the opportunities were. And now now's the time to make the move. And so it's one thing that if you have a coach that's calling a play and don't ever work, and you say, oh, shit, not again. <laughs> <laughs> well, when they it helps to have players. It, don't <laughs> yeah. get me wrong, but yeah. you got to, you know, once, she, once they gave the offense to Tom, and basically he called every offensive play from 1969 to 1997, yeah. I mean. There wasn't a lot of plays in our playbook. <laughs> oh, there weren't a lot of plays? Well, there, there were plays that you hung your hat on, you know. Right. There were plays for Johnny and plays for Jeff and plays for me and plays for the other fullbacks or whatever. But the, 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 the best thing he did was if the, if the play he called was dead, 
our quarterbacks had the ability to change the play at the line of scrimmage because they knew it was dead, and they'd been coached to understand why it was dead, and we're going to switch to something else. And you're not going to switch to a touchdown. No, you're going to switch against to another play that yeah. isn't going to lose yardage. Correct, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Guy. Uh, but someone told me, I heard somewhere, that uh, we were one of the very first teams around to use audibles, that we could come up to the line. We, call, we could call our whole front offense from the line. We never really had to huddle. I, I think, I, I, don't, I couldn't veritably say that, but when, I've, when I met other people, like when I was a rookie with the Kansas City Chiefs for a short time, I, I, there was a receiver from Ohio State, uh, and he was a really good receiver and had played on a national championship team when he was a sophomore. And, uh, and I said, did you, did you guys audible at all? And he said, no, we didn't audible. And, and the, the quarterbacks had to be coached to know what they were looking at. Because, sure. You know, and, and there were usually, on the quarterback test, there were usually three plays or four plays they were going to get out of against this defense, coverage or alignment up front, and then two or three options to go to. And, you know, I asked Tom in later years, I said, how much were you, were you audible in, in the 90s? And he told me, he said, we got to the point where we could audible with motion, which we'd never done before. Mm -hmm. And we used to, they used to audible the options. Well, when you got option quarterbacks and you can get to the option whenever you want. Right. Or whenever you think you have a chance. I mean, if you statistically did any research, I think you'd find out that our offenses made more yards against more people over a longer period of time than just about anybody. The, the thing that surprises you if you go back and you look, and I've done this with some, something called success rate now, which means on first and second down, how successful you are completing a pass to get a first down, right, for the early down success rate. You guys, passing-wise, were one of the most efficient teams. Right. And we think of you running the ball at the I formation or eventually Nebraska running the option, but they always were efficient passing right. because everybody was up trying to stop the run. Right. Well, and that... Tom wanted to run the ball. I mean, he's, he, wants, he likes to throw it, but we only threw it 25 times. You know, now they throw it 50 or 60 times a game. Right. But, but you've got 40 seconds to line up and figure out what you want to run with no clock running off, and that's an advantage for the offense, not the defense. No doubt. On our hurry-up offense, we didn't have to huddle. We didn't huddle. No. We could we just do audible down the field. Right. We could go the whole, whole time and never, never huddle at all. Yeah. Jeff, do you have a – obviously there's a lot of big games you played in, but is there, is there one that comes to mind the most for you while you were at Nebraska? I mean, obviously you played for national championships, but are there any other games like during the regular season that really stand out? Well, you know, and I, I think about this question a lot because you get asked this question a lot. Um, but what was so unique at, about the players at that time was that every week – we played with a consistency that we weren't trying to prove, you know, anything other than we're the best team. We had the best fans. We had the best team. Let's go out and execute. And it was always, it was so refreshing that Coach Devaney would say, okay, we have a lead at halftime, 35 to nothing. And Bob would say, you guys put the ball in the end zone, you're done for the day. And so that he was said he great. made it fun. <laughs> that was motivation right there. And so a lot of players got to play. So we created right. that, that depth and all that, which made us a better football team. 
So. Yeah, Monday practices were a lot of fun when we won big because everybody got to play. Everybody's parents got to see their son play. Yeah. And that was a big deal. I, I mean, I thought about it more as a senior sure. than I did as a sophomore. Is there a, a, a game you can think of that stands out the most for you? I think the, when I was a junior, the win at Oklahoma was a big deal to me. And I know it was a big deal to Bob because he'd been on the same field yeah. 12 months earlier and gotten beat 47 to zip. And, and then you're back on the same field and you're, you win 44 to 14. And Bob looked pretty happy to me in the locker room after that game. <laughs> now, the only time he looked happier was when these two guys beat Alabama in 72. Right. He squared up a lot of, a lot of things with Bear that night. Right, right. 38 to 6. <laughs> that does it. Took I'm in Lincoln. Things. It's 12 below zero. I'm in Lincoln watching it on TV, and I, I'm absolutely beside myself. Because I know how good we are. I'm not a graduate assistant. I didn't, I didn't make the trip, but I remember right. watching it and thinking, man, is this coming along at the right time. Yeah. What do you remember from that game, the Alabama game? Well, I know it was over at halftime. That's what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't playing. I, I have to tell you, my, my biggest thrill of all the games and things we've been involved with was when we came back from a game. And that was after the Oklahoma game. Mm -hmm. And there were like 32,000 people, 30,000-plus people that showed up at the airport. Wow. And the plane couldn't even land. I mean, they landed, but they couldn't get close. To they the couldn't airport. taxi it close. Yeah. And so they would let us out. And here are 30,000 people outside the airport. And you're walking through that crowd wow. and talking to everybody. And it was, that was a big thrill for me. What about that? We did the trivia question. That last game you played where you scored the five touchdowns and did everything. You played a lot of running back in that game, correct, mm -hmm. Johnny? Yes, you yeah. did. What, what was that like? Well, it was Bob's way of um, just giving me consideration since it was his last game. In my last game, that we wanted to go out with a bang, mm -hmm. and so uh, and didn't I, let him play baseball either. So. That's right. Don't forget about that. <laughs> but he did let him play eye back that night. <laughs> there you yeah, go. I played eye back. I played wing back. I played receiver. I think I even threw for a touchdown. Do one. Yep. yep. Threw for a touchdown that night. So we wanted to go out with a bang, uh, and we did. And then we beat you know won the you know beat Notre Dame. Yep. You know so uh, that was our way of just saying goodbye and thank you to our fans you know for coming because. Um, you know, you hear it all the time, but we do have some of the greatest fans uh, ever. Um, and they travel. Yeah, they're right here. They're right here. On they a Wednesday travel. in the middle yeah. of nowhere. The Coliseum. I was telling people the other day. That was a retired oh, thing right there. The you re retired people like, I don't know what day it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to church today. That's all I know. I'm here because I'm not playing golf. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Too bad. Too well, it's a big deal when you're playing in the Coliseum. Oh, yeah. It's one of the biggest stadiums that, you, that they have in, in the whole country. And uh, we have more red uh, in, our, in the stadium in the Coliseum than they do at the SC. That's, yeah. a big, that's a big deal. Yeah. Well, what about now? Obviously, Guy, you have so much pride when you guys played. But now you say, hey, I, I played at Nebraska. And it's obviously been a while since Nebraska was Nebraska. What, what are your thoughts on what you're seeing now down there in Lincoln? Well, uh, I, I watched five plays of the first game. And it was, we were on defense. Mm -hmm. And I'd, I'd seen enough. I'll tell you why. Because they were hustling. Yeah, they were. They were hustling to the ball. All of them. And I hadn't seen that in seven or eight years. Maybe not, maybe not even in 20. And we don't have enough talent. That's why we're three and three. But 
they, it's, it, they gotta get them here. And once they get them here with the new facility, the academic support, the nutrition, the weight training, all of that, you got a shot. And if this guy can do it at Temple and Baylor, he ought to be able to do it here. Yeah. Especially with $60 million from the Big Ten. Yeah. That takes care of a lot of situations. But they got to recruit. We just, you know, when the all-conference teams come out, we're not going to have very many people on it. No. I'll be surprised if we have a second teamer. How do, yeah, you, how do you recruit? You better, you, I don't know what you, you do. You just got to sell it, right? You, yeah. you, you, well, and I'll tell you something else, you guys. I, Playing I, time. I watched... You know, I coached with Tom for seven years after I played. Right. And those were the first years. And I know all about Oklahoma beating us and all that. Well, nobody was beating Oklahoma in those years. They were like we were in the 90s. That's exactly how they were. Right. But Tom was a relentless recruiter. I mean relentless. All day, all the time. Yeah. Middle of the night, making phone calls, crisscrossing the... You know, he, he visited every player that we offered in his home. Yeah. A lot of head coaches don't do that. They don't. I guarantee you, I know a couple names that I wouldn't mention, but they never left town. They let the assistants bring them into town, and they recruited them when they were there. Right. And they didn't go get them. Well, when you're in Lincoln, Nebraska, and you got a kid in Toledo, Ohio, like Willie Harper, you go there. You get him. And Willie Harper, I can't believe we got him out of Ohio. Willie played 12 or 13 years in the pros. Was He and Jeff, Johnny and Jeff and Joe Blaher are the three best athletes I ever played with, period. Toledo, Ohio. They got How'd him. we get him? Yeah. Spider Atkins is pretty good. Same way. Virginia. Lynchburg, Virginia. <laughs> right. Yep. Nebraska and, was one of the, I mean, along with Notre Dame, one of the first truly one side of the country, the well, other side of the country to. recruiting. You have to. There's, yeah. you know. I, he's losing my, my mind. I can't believe it. But who's the big, tall uh, offensive tackle that you guys got out of California? He was a junior college guy, right? Bob Newton. Bob Newton, right. He was I mean, a senior, same year, same yeah, year I was. People are going, uh, going to L.A. to get a guy like that to come there. Right. Yeah. And he could have gone to Southern Cal. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I don't know how hard they did. they lose any sleep when they lost him. Probably not till they lined up on him in the, <laughs> the Coliseum that night. Yeah, but you know that that was that's part of it, and and you you have to be relentless. I mean, I'll give you a good example. On Sunday night, when you're working as a coach in Lincoln, at least in those days, and I was a freshman coach, so I didn't have any varsity direct responsibilities, but I was there. At six o'clock, they brought in dinner. Bob and Logsdon, Bob Logsdon and Bob Devaney would bring in dinner for all the coaches in the coach's office at 6 p.m. on Sunday. We'd eat dinner, sit around for a while. Tom went to his office, closed the door, and made phone calls for an hour on Sunday night. Yeah. After we're done eating dinner, 7 o'clock, he's back, he's meeting. Another story, just because I remember these guys, it's the middle of the, it's the middle of, November, and we're playing somebody, I don't know, I think it's 75 or 6 or 7, and it's 10 o'clock on Sunday night, or maybe Monday night, it's Monday night, because they work Monday night too, we're standing out in the parking lot, there's 7 or 8 or 10 coaches standing around, we're all getting in our cars, we can't wait to get home, see our wives, see our kids, whatever it is. There's one guy that's got three rolls of film under his arm, and a projector, Guess who that was? Tom. Exactto Mundo. Yeah. 
going home to watch film for another couple hours. Yeah. Well, what happened, you guys, wasn't an accident. He's that good. Right. Johnny, you go down, you've been out of practice, you've talked to Coach Rule. Thoughts on the team currently? Well, I, I think that they're going in the right direction. It looks like to me we have a really a pretty good team. I think we have some very good athletes. Uh, we have some very good athletes. I think we're short on good offense and defensive linemen. Yes, sir. I think that I've seen, went down to the field, and I've made some comparison between the other teams' offensive and defensive linemen, and they look like pros, and ours look like college players. And there is a really big difference, and it's what's up front that counts. Um, against Michigan, uh, you see clearly that when you're gaining five, have an average of five yards a carry, it's because of your offensive line. And so you don't have a problem getting first downs, you know, because you're getting five and five and five and four and three or whatever. And you have to have that, and you have to have that same type of attitude on defense, where you got guys that are big and fast and strong, and you're not going to let a team get a five-yard average on you uh, rushing, rushing the football. Mm -hmm. So everybody talks about our skill position, our star players, our quarterbacks, our running backs, wide receivers, but it's really those linemen. It's what's up front that counts. Yeah. What about you, Jeff? What, what are your thoughts on the current program? Uh, well, I think we have some, some talented players. I don't think we have uh, – it's going to take us a while to get to, to the level where we need to get to recruit, and it's just going to get harder with this nil. Yeah. yeah. It's, stuff, it's, yeah. it's just going to get tougher, and it's almost like you go back to where you recruit, you know, kids that aren't a two or a one or three, Grumble. the kids you develop. Right. Kids, like we used to talk about, we just reload on the offensive line. And typically walk on kids from Nebraska or something like that and just have the patience to develop those kids. Right. And then, I mean, I know guys when we played, it wasn't like we were all all-stars, but we were a good team. Right. Because we played well together. And you could trust each other. You could rely. I mean, right. I could hit the hole going full speed and knowing that that guy in front of me was going to be trying to block the guy. And my responsibility was just to read his block. Right. And I think that's the kind of confidence that takes a while to instill in players. It takes a while to get it going. You know, it just, yep. it's like one other, and I just heard this two weeks ago, and I've been telling everybody I've ever known about it. I got to be quiet. No, you go ahead. I'm a, I raise my hand if you want to ask a question. You keep going, guy. I was going to say that, and and I don't know where I heard this. I think I heard it on the radio, or somewhere. But there were nine linemen, nine linemen at Michigan, that were candidates or being screened to play in the Senior Bowl. Right now, in order to get in the Senior Bowl, guys, you got to be a relatively high draft choice type. You got to be a minimum of all conference. And they had nine of them. And Nebraska had. I don't. I don't none. think we got right, one. Right. No. Uh, Bob Newton, or or Carl Johnson, or John Dutton, right. or Richie Glover, those guys all played in the Senior Bowl. We don't have those right now. It's right. going to take time to get them. Um, this is Dee from Lincoln. A question um, behind the scenes: Was there ever a quarterback controversy, or just a battle between? Taggy and Van Bronson? Yes. When, Van, when Van Bronson wasn't you know, out late. When, I was a, when, we, when Johnny was a sophomore and I was a junior, and when Johnny was a junior and I was a senior, they played about 50-50, pretty close. And 
one of them would bail the other one out one week, and then the next week, the other one would bail the other one out. And I mean, it, it, and they got about the same number of snaps in practice. I, you know, people used to ask me, well, which quarterback did you like? <laughs> Don't talk to me about that. The one that throws me the ball. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't throw it to Johnny. No, I mean, I did, I was, it was a question that was irrelevant. Right. And I never, I never paid any attention. Whatever was in the, whoever was in the huddle was the way it was going to be. So I don't think there was a quarterback controversy. I think it was a wonderful job of being able to play and coach and get two guys ready. And there, you know, there, there's all those people out there that say, well, if you, if you don't have a first-team quarterback, you don't have a quarterback. Well, guess what? I saw it happen. They won 22 games between them those two years right. and a couple national titles. So I think I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> Raise your hand if you want to ask a question. I'll come by with the microphone. Anybody? Oh, over that way. Tell me, while I'm walking over, Guy, while I'm walking over, any good stories about Van Bronson in terms of going out? I already like to go out a lot. Well, well uh, Van, was a, Van was very popular with the ladies. He made Johnny and I look like no-account son-of-a-guns. I mean, really, he did. And, uh, but he, he also, and I'm not speaking out of turn here because we all know this, he, he drank a little too much, and he quit cold turkey about, it's going on 30 years now, and I've been to 100 receptions with him where everybody's having a drink or a beer or whatever, and he's having a Diet Coke or a seltzer water or something else, and I played golf with him a week ago, him and Tony Davis and Steve Runny and I, we had a riot, and Tony doesn't drink anymore either, so... He's still with us, and if he hadn't quit, he, he'd been dead year, years ago. Wonderful athlete, good enough athlete to play basketball in, for Lincoln, in Lincoln. I went to one practice, and I saw him shoot a left-handed jumper coming down the left-hand side of the road, and I saw him shoot a jumper from the right side, right-handed, and you couldn't tell the difference. And he was a great golfer. He made all-state in football and basketball. He was a little spindlier than Taggy. Taggy's legs were like tree stumps, and he was a little more durable. And when Taggy was in 71, Van got hurt in the spring, hurt his throwing shoulder, it didn't really heal very well, and he became second team and still played a lot of football in 71 because basically they killed everybody we, we killed everybody we played. And, uh, but no quarterback contribution between those two and and people ask me about that all the time because they were both playing at the time. And uh, I, can't, I don't know how many one guy threw me versus the other guy. I don't care. We, we would like to, we'd like to thank you for coming to the Guy Ingalls show. Uh, <laughs> well, I got to stick up for the guys in 70 because they're not represented. With no controversy, though. No, I don't think so. No. Well, I didn't like you much. But, you know. <laughs> what's, your, what's your question? All right. Uh, January 1 of 71 was one of the greatest days in the history of college football. Top-ranked Texas loses in the afternoon in the Cotton Bowl to Notre Dame. Then we shift to the Rose Bowl. Second-ranked Ohio State knocked off by Stanford. So 
it's all available to Nebraska the evening of January 1 of 71. How excited were you guys to play that game knowing that? And B, or number two, how excited were you guys after you won the game and clinched the national title? I, I found it to be extremely exciting. I was just a little kid. Thanks. Did you guys know? You knew, right? I mean, not like we had internet back then. You, you knew that you were in position going in, right? Oh, yeah. They, they let us know that uh, what the opportunities were at that time, and it just kind of fell in our lap. All we really had to do was win. So it really, it really was a big deal just uh, for things to fall in place like that. Guy, you let Jeff answer now. You won't get in trouble. <laughs> Go ahead, Jeff. What, what do you remember? Well, you know, I guess at the time it was kind of like we wanted to win the Orange Bowl because this is kind of the first major bowl that we'd gone back to in, in a while. And so we had a great following. So it was more important for us just to win the game. That was just something that said, hey, now we got a chance to prove to the nation who we are. And, and we played a tough LSU team. Yep, yep. And uh, so it was, a good, it was a good football game. And I think Coach Devaney did a lot of politicking afterwards and said even the Pope couldn't vote for Notre Dame, <laughs> Notre Dame. national championship that year. Hey, raise your hand if you want to You have a question. We have a couple more left, a couple more minutes left. Anybody raise your hand? Anybody? No? All right. Tell, tell us, guys, what are you guys doing now? Start off with you, uh, Jeff. What are you guys doing now? Like, what do you do with yourself? What are your hobbies? What are you, what are you doing? Well, I, uh, I live in the Kansas City area now. I lived in Colorado for a while. Uh, I bought a farm here about a year ago. I'm raising some chickens on the farm. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my son lives on the farm, and he's kind of taking care of it, and both my son and son-in-law love the deer hunt. So mm -hmm. they're, they're getting that set up to do that now. Uh, but I'm, I still work. I still love to work. Uh, a lot of my clients are my friends, too. Mm -hmm. So it just, you know, I, at this point in my life, it's like I don't want to retire. I want to keep working, and I want to keep being active. I love to hunt. I love to fish. So just want to keep doing those things. Nice. Yep. Johnny? Well, I, uh, we used to have the Jetterworth Foundation and Trust. Uh, we have, um, you know, we've created, about 10, 11 years ago, I realized that the only category in college football that didn't have an award for was the punt return and kickoff guys. They did, these guys running 100-yard touchdowns, and they didn't have an award for them. So we were lucky enough to be able to come up with an award uh, called the Jet Award. Uh, and we call them the baddest male on the planet. Because if you can run a 100-yard touchdown, you bad. <laughs> you bad. And we take that money and partner with uh, Metro Community College to give people scholarships in the trades. I went to technical high school, which is the last big trade school uh, that was in, in, in Omaha. And uh, most of my friends went into the trades. And I've seen that there's quite an opportunity for, for young people to get a, quite a career if they will get into trades and to try to give trades their attention. We bring guys in each year and have an event. Last year we had about a thousand people attend, uh, and this year, with your help, we hope to have about two thousand attend. And we take that money to give scholarships for for people from 18 to 60 uh, to go into the trades, and uh, we have a pretty good showing up of people having interest there to go. And hope we can continue it on with your support. Down. Uh, I've been retired for about 10 years. Uh, I drive a shuttle for Onyx Automotive. 
four days a week from 7 to noon, and if the weather's good and I get the okay from the missus, I play golf. <laughs> and I have uh, three grandchildren, just a new one, about seven weeks old, son, a uh, grandson. Uh, I have two daughters, both in Omaha, both married to, so far, wonderful guys. We're, hap <laughs> we're, ha we're happy about that. And uh, I know Johnny has got a little bigger family than I, but uh, uh, when I'm not playing golf or driving for Onyx, I'm with my grandchildren. I'm with my great-grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of them, too. Yeah, you just went to a, um, what'd you just go to? Sacramento. You went to Sacramento for one, yeah. Well, my grandson had a, had, had a baby shower for, I have about, um, I can't even count, I must have like 20 uh, grandchildren and, and great-grandchildren. Wow. About 15 of them are here in Omaha. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Where, well, how come that number's showing up on the field? I mean, we... We can use some re we can reinforcements. They're all still pretty young. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, they're on their way. All right, that's cool. Yeah. What are you going to say, Jeff? Well, I was just going to say that, uh, can we talk about our grandchildren? Yes, be, please, <laughs> be, my, be my guest. A person my age, that's all you talk about. Right, sure. <laughs> Either that or health. <laughs> it's the weather, it's your health, and it's your grandkids. Exactly. You make fun of my grandma because you'd ask how she was, and an hour later, you'd, you know, Still answering the same question, so. Yeah. Again, about the, uh, the Jet Award Foundation. Um, the gala this year is going to be April 4th, next year, 2024. It'll be at Baxter Arena again this year where we had it last year. Uh, it was really fun. Um, our, um, our Legends Award winner, this is the person who wins the award, who would have been a Jet Award winner back in his day, is uh, Dewan Gross, former Husker, this year. So we're very excited about that. Cool. Uh, and Danny Woodhead's going to be our guest speaker, so. Guy who probably should have gone to Nebraska, didn't quite get recruited. I do have a question. Yes, sir. I mean, this Jet Award you're talking about, yeah. I don't know how Johnny ever returned kickoffs. Because I was back there with him. Right. And they always kicked it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder Maybe it had, <laughs> might have had something to do with scouting, Jeff. <laughs> That's a, how many kick? I don't remember you really returning a lot of kickoffs, Johnny. Did you return a bunch? Well, didn't score many that is true. Your defense was pretty good. Yeah, unless it was the beginning of the game. Oh, I was back there all the time. I got microphone. Some, I got I got some run backs. Uh, sometimes they made a mistake and kicked it over there, and and we got it back. I got a few touchdowns. Yeah. You had a, Johnny, you had a really good one against A and M, didn't you? I think yeah, so. Lincoln. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, like I said, special teams. I, I did. Yeah. People don't really realize I didn't really get the ball that much because we had a balanced offense. Right. Um, so I didn't get the ball that much on offense, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I had a lot of time in special teams in the punt returns and kickoffs. Right. Uh, they did have plays for us for a wing back and wide receiver, and then, like I said, especially in the Orange Bowl, uh, when I was playing running back as well. But we had such a balanced team that we didn't, we didn't go to anybody exceptionally that much, except right. for Jeff, you know? Yeah. We wanted to make sure we kept it consistently going up there, so we gave it to Jeff a lot, and, and he always came through. Let me ask you before we end this, uh, your thoughts on, so the new Big Ten, I mean, USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon all coming in. Um, thoughts on these teams that Nebraska will be playing? Some of you guys played in bowl games back in the day. Mm -hmm. I think it's not going to be easy. Oh, no. That's being nice. I'm, I, I am I am looking forward I am looking forward to UCLA and SC playing in November somewhere in up here in Big Ten country. Yeah. 
when it's about 35 below zero and they're not used to it. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I think we have to get back to, to recruiting with the tenacity, uh, with uh, trying to convince people that they can really make a difference in our program. Right. Uh, that's the only way that we're really going to be able to get them to, to, to bring on uh, the type of talent to compete with the USC and people that are coming here right now, because right now we're struggling. Yeah. We're struggling because we're recruiting. We're struggling because we, we got to go like, like they used to inside people's homes and convince them that we can give your, your son a quality education and we can help them with that opportunity, their dream to get into the pros. And they can make the difference. Right. Yeah. I think they have the assistance to do that now. I think that's the group they have is really good. A lot of them are young. Um, mm -hmm. They, we've done it in other places. They've worked before, so I think we have the opportunity to have that with this That's group. That's what it's going to so, take. Yeah. yeah. Everybody, 1971, 70, Big Ridge. Guy Ingles, Johnny Rogers, Jeff Kenny.